Hi, welcome to Bottom Line with Bob and Kendall Ehrlich. Please follow us at Earl Bottom Line, at Bob underscore Ehrlich, and at Kendall Ehrlich. Here we are, episode number nine. The casual look. That's right. What do you we think, got huh? our striped shirts on today. You look casual, great. but we got a lot to talk about. We have a lot and to talk about. As usual, all important, but. Well, beyond beyond what people think, we're talking about one of our favorite subjects, high school slash youth slash athletics. <laughs> <laughs> There's a theme, as you notice. It's been politics and athletics. Well, it really struck me this started, week. In a lot of ways, and sometimes they intersect as they have under COVID. <laughs> what struck me this week as we returned again to watch a mini season, our high school quarterbacks playing four games, our college safeties playing five games but it struck me as uh, I sat there at Friday Night Lights with hardly any crowd only parents at uh, our quarterbacks game but watching both teams uh, prepared just the, the, watching the coaches interaction the parents on both sides both teams it, it reminded me of, of how good this is how important it is way beyond the sport itself we love football. We're a football family. We know that. This is way beyond football. This was what we know our kid, but not just our kid, every kid who participates in, whether it's football, whether it's band. Well, the band. The yeah. band hasn't been there, but the cheerleaders have been. Cheerleaders were there. So many kids looking forward to this activity they love. They love it for lots of reasons. They like to show off their talent, but most of all, I think they like to be with their peers. They like to be back in school. They like to be, again, at Friday Night Lights. This is a part of their life, their high school careers that they've been deprived of for the last year. And just to see the joy, the joy, joy is the word that really came into my mind. Uh, joy by, from everyone. Yeah. Teachers watching, parents there. The athletic director, um, right. the principal. Coaches, the principal, <laughs> everyone was so excited. And I think it, it is a positive thing that our high school cultures matter and that yeah. the kids actually really love all of the culture that our high schools bring and that our culture does that right. And I think there's an an affirmation, because there's a lot of criticism about our education system, yep. rightfully so, yep. on many levels. Yep. However, COVID has really brought out that the way that we socialize and the activities that Americans have come to know, American children in high schools, uh, benchmarks, that yeah. they like to reach from freshman year to senior year, including proms and all kinds of, of activities mm -hmm. that kids look forward to and really enjoy being part of. It's a rite of passage. Right. It's a rite of passage. They've been deprived of it. And I don't want to go crazy here. We love sports and all that. And sometimes in our culture, our sports crazy culture, we, we go even beyond the pale with regard to sports. But again, uh, there's, I don't know what the racial breakdown of, of Josh's team is. I suspect, I, I don't. I don't know. It's it's pretty even, maybe maybe yeah, half maybe, and half. maybe half and half, sixty yep. forty, white black. But again, sport. One of the reasons we love sport is it's so merit based. 
Right. You know, these kids, they couldn't give a lick about race and what's happening in our country and politicians trying to tear the country apart and right and left and black and white. It's We're trying to beat the other team. We're working together. Couldn't give a lick about uh, the income of your parents, what, what, your, what your parents look like, what you look like. You are my teammate. That is the greatness of sport. That's why people, one of the reasons I think people love sport and one of the reasons why so many people are turned off by recently right the woke nature of professional sports i agree i think maybe that's part of why everybody was so joyful the other night we were all thinking about one thing football and winning the game yeah and watching kids not only our own child but kids that we've seen grow up from sandlot yeah so there's a lot of camaraderie with the parents there's a lot of people that know each other and i think that it's uh maybe that was part of it Taking it away from all of what you see about politics, and you're right. You know, the the, the last one was uh, MLB, uh, yep. the getting involved in politics, yep. and we'll see the impact of that. And uh, I think people are really tired of that. Yeah, nobody's moving a high school a football game from one county to another because of a voting uh, law. Uh, they're just there to watch and enjoy their kids. Again, taking the environment, but again, it's about merit, it's about sport, it's about love of sports, it's about love of competition, it's about high school, all this good stuff. I just came back the other night. We won. I uh, probably would have been as happy if we had lost. But, but you know what? The other team had some great talent. It was just fun to watch kids do what they want to do without right. adults trying to separate them and us. So, again, or, maybe or enough of that. Or label or define or whatever it enough, might be. Enough, enough, enough. We've had it. So we hope NFL, that that continues. NBA, and we want, MLB. Please, please, school districts around the country, please keep the high school sports, keep the sports going for these kids throughout the school year of 2021 to 2022. And keep the arts going, keep the plays going, keep the band going, keep the cheerleaders going, keep everything going, boys and girls sports alike. Even if school's still partly virtual. Exactly. Um, We were doing one of our favorite things in the evening, watching Tucker (laughs) last week, and he had an interest in Tucker Carlson, obviously very popular uh, show on, on Fox. He gave he had a little small report concerning uh, giving histories, giving contributions uh, as far as political dollars go this past cycle. And we found it interesting because the new contribution uh, numbers and the identities of the contributors reflect sort of the, the change that we've discussed with regard to the parties, the national parties, the change of identities, the realignments, if you will, concerning our, our political parties. Uh, I didn't get into this in great detail, but uh, from the report, college professors, bankers, finance types, Wall Street types, heavily for Joe Biden. 10, 15, 20 years ago when I was in Congress, when we first went to Congress and in the 104th Congress, 1994, uh, just the opposite, obviously. Republicans were the party of, of Wall Street, of big business, generally, of the Chamber of Commerce. Today, how, this past cycle... Why did that change? Well, we'll get into that. Business. We'll get into that. Okay. But, but think about this. Uh, the, the billionaire casino magnet uh, took the majority of mechanics, custodians, small business, but custodians, mm-hmm. small business people. Again, Talk about a rapid change with regard to realignment in our country, not just with 
these numbers from contributors, but also the, the issue agendas of both parties reflected here. So we've had this monumental 180 degree change from sort of the caricatures of both political parties, from the New Deal. The New Deal caricatures lasted many decades. FDR, the New Deal, the working class. Kitchen table. Right? Kitchen table, Democrats, machine Democrats, urban Democrats, right? Now those people are Republican. suburban Republicans. Yeah. And, and big business, Wall Street, big tech, uh, clearly Democrat-oriented uh, uh, and, and, and quite, quite liberal, and including big business these days. This, this woke thing going on with business is, is really interesting. So you see it in the, uh, in the voting breakdowns. You see it in the financial breakdowns. We're on record. I'm on record. We're both on record with regard to how we see this going forward. This is a good thing for the Republican Party. Uh, many of us have been toiling in this party for decades, the Ehrlichs included, trying to make it more of a blue-collar, working-class, middle-class party. We always thought it should be, given the values that, that we think the party had and should, and should have going into the future. How ironic that it took a Donald Trump. Uh, despite all the demonization, yeah, <laughs> right, a billionaire yeah. to do that, <laughs> to identify, <laughs> and to and to bring people along to policies that protected America. Yeah, and going back to your question, <clears throat> China, obviously, big big deal. China drawing a line with regard to China, drawing a line with regard to China stealing our intellectual property, drawing a line with regard to trade deals getting tough on China. Wall Street, big business, didn't like it. Uh, they gave most of their money to Joe Biden as a result. And I think that's sort of the dividing line, quite frankly. But why are the corporations getting into such extreme wokeness with censorship and all of these other things? Is it because are these the children of the 60s who are elite and are saying, we know better for you, we're going to decide what's good for you and what's not good for you, and because we got power, we're doing it? You're not supposed to ask me questions I don't know the answer to on this show. You know that. And you just <laughs> violated the rule. Because this is, we need to devote a show to this. Because I've been racking my brain uh, Well, maybe we need some guests this. thinking, a couple of guests yeah. to talk yeah. about. Because it's clear, it's very clear with regard now, the latest uh, installment here being the Georgia uh, voting regime and, and the reaction of at least some large businesses in our country, the CEOs. So there's something going on here, whether it's overreaction to activist investors, uh, whether it's generational, what, whether it's fear of, of boycotts by the left. I, I don't know, but it's so, maybe a combination thereof. But we're going to figure this out. We're going to devote a show to this, in fact, in the future. But okay. the bottom line is it's certainly happening. Uh, you, being my wife, love me, right? Yes. Okay. That's Was I fast on, enough on, on that? On the record, thank you. <laughs> and I do think that you are a little prejudiced when it comes to my writing. I am. And I appreciate that. Because well, you're such a great writer and I'm not, but at any rate. No, that's not the case, but you really liked my last Western Journal piece. And again, to remind our viewers, uh, my pieces generally appear once a week in Western Journal. It, it's a terrific publication. Uh, a lot of good writers. Governor Huckabee, obviously, is a regular contributor as well. A lot of really fine conservative minds. But you like this last piece, and the piece concerned the unicorn voter, as I uh, phrased it. I probably didn't come up with that originally, but I thought it was appropriate. By the unicorn voter from last 
election, I do not mean rhinos. I do not mean Republicans who are really Democrats. I do not mean moderate Democrats who tend to cross over from time to time. I'm talking about legitimate pro-business, pro-family values, whatever social conservative term you want to use, uh, lifelong Republican voting pattern, conservative, free market person who voted for Joe Biden. Now, I know that sounds crazy when you think about it in that context, but it clearly happened. And I could argue in some very close states, those voters made the difference. And the reason, and I talk about this in the piece, we had these conversations, some folks used to work for us, for some neighbors, people we know, relatives, and you had the same conversations, I'm sure, um, those of you who supported Trump, but were talking to Republicans who were not supporting the president. They just couldn't put up with the president's language. Uh, uh, because they didn't like his personality. His personality. They didn't like his personality. His so they ego. Couldn't vote for him. Right. Meanwhile, now we have Biden. Well, hold on a second now. So what got back to us and what became clear, uh, particularly from the polls taken after the election, was there was a small percentage, but a very significant percentage, significant in this sense of, of what a five, ten percent of Republicans, conservatives, who did not vote for the president because they could not put up with his personality, his cockiness, his salesmanship, uh, sometimes his, uh, the Twitter stuff. These drove. people wanted love to win. Yes, they did. Love won. Well, love did yeah. not win. Progressivism won. And that's, Just look at the southern border to see if love won. <laughs> that's the point of my article, and that's sort of the reason I wrote this particular piece at this time. Because now we're starting to pick up, buyers a couple months wars. later, a bit of buyer's remorse, which does nothing for my blood pressure, <laughs> because we had these same conversations 60, 80, 90 days ago. But when someone comes up to me, as they've begun to occur recently, and say, geez, I didn't know that President Biden would be this far left. I didn't know he'd be this far progressive. I thought it was the old Joe Biden, the old Delaware Joe Biden, the old sort of Chamber of Commerce Joe Biden. Amtrak Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of the traditional Northeastern liberal Joe, not this progressive Joe, not this uh, very progressive administration. And, And they'll express surprise to me, and there's a little bit of buyer's remorse. And so I wrote this particular paragraph that you liked, uh, and we're not going to read it verbatim, but I, I hear complaints about the Pentagon more interested in progressive gender doctrine than military preparedness, right? Right. Uh, energy policy that shutters pipelines and gas fields while repudiating the notion of American energy independence. Immigration policy that simply nullified Mr. Trump's successful handling of the border. We forget midterm President Trump had these same problems, the caravans. Right. Right? And he acted and particularly got some cooperation from the government of Mexico, Mexico, right? The right. stay in Mexico policy. Plus the wall got built. Plus more wall got built. Uh, exactly. Uh, security state that requires photo identification for everything you do in the United States of America except for voting. But that's starting to change state by state. We hope so. Um, bring it on. A gun-grabbing leadership that always seems surrounded by people who have people with guns. <laughs> with guns. Uh, teachers' unions are more interested in defunding the police and teaching our kids. Well, gun control is always against the law-abiding citizens because guess what? The criminals don't register their What did guns. you start out as, by the way? 
professionally? A public defender. <laughs> and I changed on that issue because of my clients. <laughs> uh, I got gotcha. you. Um, progressives who bemoan violence against Asian Americans but remain silent when college admission officers discriminate against the same group. How about that? How about that? How convenient. And the media that daily engages the race card but hardly acknowledges the carnage inflicted on African-American kids in some of our largest cities. Look at Chicago. Look at the numbers produced in Chicago every week. And nobody talks about it. Nobody writes about it. There's no analysis of it. Yeah, Baltimore a place near as well. dear to us, right. So, again, we hear these complaints about what's going on from the same people who really should have voted in a philosophical sense for President Trump. They did not. There's a bit of buyer's remorse. It'll be interesting to revisit these same folks in another three months, and maybe this time next year as well, as the midterm elections loom. Um, last issue for this week is the president's reemergence, President Trump's reemergence a bit. He took a shot at <laughs> Mitch McConnell. <laughs> he took a shot, I can't repeat it on the air, what he said, but it wasn't nice. Uh, obviously, that relationship that was pretty healthy, was for pretty healthy time. for a long time. I think until the end. Until the end, obviously, uh, particularly with regard to judgeships, one of the real success stories of the Trump administration, a couple hundred And McConnell new, was very much a part of that. Very much. He led it. I mean, he without led, him, he it, it doesn't happen. Uh, also, some reports uh, reflected a sign, or the first sign, really, that maybe, just maybe, uh, President Trump may call upon a successor, may not run, in fact, in 2024. And what do you think about that, Mrs. Ehrlich? What do you think about that, what, that proposition? Oh, it's way too early to think about all that, actually. I do. I think it's way too early. Well, the party you know split. Me? I don't like to. The party split already. The Trump lovers want Trump, period. The Trump agenda is going to continue. That's the right answer. Whether Trump is uh, the candidate or not. That agenda is successful, and 74 Point, mil yeah, yeah. million people want that agenda, and, and it's probably even more. It'll be more after we live through the Biden administration. Going back to our earlier uh, discussion, you do not get progress with African-American voters. You do not get major project progress with Hispanic voters without the Trump agenda this past cycle, right? These folks were reacting to an agenda, to positive messages from the Trump administration, not just positive messages, by the way, but positive policy successes. And, 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 and measurable. Measurable, and they campaigned on those successes, and as a result, saw some improvement. I think it's fair to say that there are a lot of folks who like the president who want him to run. No doubt about it. They, they just want the president to run again, to make things right. I think there's, there's obviously some folks in the party who are uncomfortable with him, do not want him to run. <coughs> there's probably uh, an equal, maybe a, an emerging majority that, like us, uh, like what he did an awful lot, are not sure we wish him to, to run next time, but we clearly want that agenda on the front burner. We want that re agenda reflecting the Republican Party going forward. Well, I think it would be great if he ran, but I also understand that going through what he went through 
Uh, I would really understand that he might not want to do that again and put his family through that again. Yeah, uh, it could be someone else that he'd prefer to to do that battle and to support the agenda that he put forth so brilliantly, in my view, and very effectively. And it is really going to show after we see what happens with Biden. By the way, we also saw a report this past week that uh, said the president lost over a billion dollars of personal wealth. Uh, and he never took a salary, something he never got any credit for, nobody talked about. A lot of I folks in the media. Well, yeah, so do we. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's fair to say that the impact, the imprint, if you will, on uh, this party remains a function of the Trump administration's successes. We're not going to go back to the old way. We're not going to go back to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce looking the other way on China uh, America, second American, middle of the pack stuff. The America first stuff, the American exceptionalism stuff, the, uh, the manufacturing rebirth, everything, the, the cheap energy, uh, American energy, energy independence, all that great stuff that not only the president campaigned on, but he achieved, has to be the framework for the party going forward. Again, we'll see what he wants to do. Uh, but Republicans need to have their act together come 2022, clearly, with regard to the House. There's some very tough Senate races, a 50-50 Senate right now, which obviously is controlled by the Democrats. So uh, the Senate's going to be a, a tough terrain going forward. The House, there's a lot of folks in Washington who think Republicans have a good chance to recapture the House. We shall see. But the fact of it is that agenda needs to remain front and center if the Republican Party wants to grow We'll also have to look at uh, governor races, and uh, I think that we could see a big changeover with that as well, because I think people are really going to be paying attention. And I'll just we'll conclude on this. Uh, we've talked in the past about what did not occur prior to the election, which was um, you know, state Republican parties not having their act together when new regimes were put together as a function of the pandemic that did not comport with state law, state election law. Mm -hmm. So, again, state attorney general races, control of state chambers, particularly in marginal states, really important. People don't talk about this. Controlling both houses of the Pennsylvania legislature, electing a governor in Pennsylvania, for example, hugely important. So, not just directly with regard to Pennsylvania in the coming years or any other, Michigan or Wisconsin, but also with regard to the next presidential election. Having Republicans in control makes a big difference. I think it could be a landslide. We'll see. We'll see. Midterms will show, and yeah. we'll have a lot to talk about between now and then. We always do. Yeah. So thanks for joining us here at Bottom Line with Bob and Kendall Ehrlich. Again, contact us at Earl Bottom Line, at Bob underscore Ehrlich, and at Kendall Ehrlich. Thanks a lot. Godspeed.